Hello, this is The Game Podcast from The Times, and I'm Natalie Sawyer. Joining Gregor Robertson and I today, it is Matt Dickinson. Matt, good afternoon. How are you? Yes, very good. Boiling boiling up a bit, but um, yeah, um, I'm, uh, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, how are you coping with the heat? Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, there's a, I've actually just had to sh- shut the windows because there's a bit, a, um, someone's chosen a good time to uh, build an extension next door. So, um, um, yes, nothing like, um, uh, a bit of lockdown building to, um, to, to test, te- test, test the neighborly, uh, oh, um, yeah. yes, relations. <laughs> yeah, just what you need. Absolutely. So that's a, that's a cue that if we hear any drilling, it's because of your next door neighbor's building work that's ongoing. So thanks for the heads up on that, Matt. Uh, Gregor, how are you keeping? I'm good. I'm feeling rather smug, actually. I bought a, an air conditioning unit last year and Stop. I've never been so, so happy to have, to have that thing in my life. And it probably so can, works. Honestly, unbelievable. Oh. You can sleep like a baby at night because it's horrible at night time, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. no wonder. You're like, bring on the heat. No problem with <laughs> you. Oh, fantastic. Well, we've got loads coming up as we look at some high-profile moves in the Premier League and we discuss what happened to England's golden generation as they venture into management. But first, we welcome back the Champions League. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So let's start with the return of the Champions League then. A mixed bag for the English teams, but we have to talk about Manchester City's deserved victory over Real Madrid at the Etihad. Goals from Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus, either side of Karim Benzema's efforts, were enough to give a 4-2 aggregate win and set up a quarter-final with Lyon. So it really is a case of no Aguero, no problem for City. But Matt, did we expect it to be as simple as it was for them? Well, I think you know. I think there was a bit more trepidation um, in the air, given that you know, Real had sort of seemed to be uh, fix, fixing a few issues since since return of lockdown. I mean, I was lucky enough to be um, at the Bernabeu for the first leg, and it was you know, I mean, to to have come away with that result, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, strutting his stuff um, was equal, was you know hugely um, impressive. But that sort of <laughs> feels like several lifetimes ago doesn't it I was sort of you know um an, an age um pre-covid um so it was you know they were coming back with yeah with a lot of uncertainty in the air and and but uh, you know Sergio Ramos on the bench um uh, sorry in the stands clearly proved you know a huge factor in the sense of of Real's defensive um well shambles at times I mean Rafael Varane is a you know, I've, I, you know, one of those players you look at, and he's, he's always 
seemed a Rolls Royce of a footballer, one of those guys who just seems to sort of glide around. There's something lovely in his movement. He sort of seems sort of quite untypical as a centre half in many ways. But um, maybe this was night when he needed to be a, <laughs> a very stereotypical centre half and just get rid of the bloody ball, um, because obviously that was uh, that was ultimately their undoing. But uh, you know, even even if you sort of isolate those mistakes, I think City deserved it just for their overall approach. Um, uh, and they just looked the better team over two legs, no doubt about it. Yeah, Gregor, Matt's mentioned Sergio Ramos there, who was suspended. Do you think he really could have made the difference for Real Madrid? Well, look, Real Madrid have been, they're always a lot stronger with Ramos in the team. Um, but, you know, the, those two errors really gave City the kind of cushion that they needed because... As Matt says, they were the better team, but when they when they're gifted a goal, it makes makes their life so much easier and the game so much easier to to manage. Um, but yeah, I, I was quite surprised. I mean, I know Real Madrid and and Barcelona too are not in the in the rudest of health. Uh, haven't really been for for a little while, but uh, the way that Manchester City kind of pressed them and harried them, um, it was very impressive. And you know, I think. I think Guardiola kind of the way that the way that he set City up to play and to 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 really give them no time no time or space on the ball. Um, I think really they were absolutely deserving winners. Well, Pep Guardiola's side will now face Leon in the one-game knockout format in Lisbon after inflicting Zinedine Zidane's first elimination from the Champions League, the French manager having won it three times in his three previous seasons in charge. Now, they do still hope to have Aguero back to take part in this mini-tournament, but it is looking less and less likely as he continues his recovery from a knee injury. Just a word on that, Matt. Uh, Is it a big blow for them to not have Aguero when you consider that performance just in midweek against Real? Well, I think it's yeah, it's all, it's always a blow not to have Aguero. I mean, I, you know, I think Jesus is still, um, you know, even with the, the the way he took um, the second goal, he's still, you know, he's sort of trying that trying to fill, you know, the big big shoes. Um, Aguero's just you know his consistency, um, his ability just to to strike in all sorts of ways, just to to prove so clinical so many times. You know, I mean, it's a it's a big loss. He's been one of the you know one of the greatest sort of signings to the Premier League um, in 20, 30 years. So, you look, City City are clearly, they've got enough strengths, they've got enough variety. You know, Jesus is, you know, is good enough to um, to help them to win a Champions League trophy. To, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Aguero is always going to be a loss. I mean, I... I mean, I think you know you 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 hope that he can be involved. I think, especially if you you know, with looking at this different format um, and potentially three games, you know, back, back to back. I, I think, at the very least, if they can get him involved, then then that will be a, a big fillip. Well, this is how the remainder of the draw looks then. On Wednesday, it's Atalanta against PSG. Then on Thursday, RB Leipzig take on Atletico Madrid. Friday sees Barcelona face Bayern Munich. And then on Saturday, it's Manchester City versus Lyon. And then you have the semi-finals, of course, to come following that with the Champions League final itself on Sunday, the 23rd of August. Now, we know this is the one trophy that Manchester City, Gregor, have been wanting is this their best ever chance to win it then? It's certainly, when you look at the draw and, you know, Atalanta, Leipzig, they're playing Lyon in the, in, the, in the quarters. Barcelona are still in kind of a bit of turmoil. They're definitely not, not, not in a healthy state at the moment. Um, 
you know, we're, we're going to come come on to talk about Bayern and, and Lewandowski. Um, but really, there's not. I can't think of many years where there's been quite as few heavyweights, and they've avoided they've avoided any of them in the in the quarter final. So, and I think the thing is, this year Manchester City seem to have played the best football in the Champions League. Um, mm. And you know that possibly the whole thing about the league basically being over in kind of January February time, uh, we've always there's always been this sort of narrative behind, un, underneath it all that you know City can try and save themselves for the for the Champions League and it's not worked out like that because of the the, the way the world's <laughs> been turned upside down. But in this in this little mini tournament, I think alongside Bayern, they're the they're the team in the best shape to. To, to win the competition, I think you know Barcelona are are, are not in, not in a good not in good shape. Um, Atletico, obviously, I think two players have have contracted coronavirus, mm-hmm. and you know the although the you know the way they the way they overcame Liverpool was usually impressive. I still don't think they're quite the same team that they were in years gone by. Um, you know, as I said, Leipzig, Leon, and Atlanta, they've, they're all great stories, but they're not. The kind of real heavyweights. They're not a Juventus, a team like that. So, I, I absolutely think that the there's the path is clearer for Manchester City than this year than it has been, you know, any any years in the past. Mm. Matt, do you agree? Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I, I agree with Gregor. I think you know Bayern Munich is is probably, you know, they've got a formidable game you know, first. But I, I would say Bayern is the uh, the team you're looking at and thinking, uh, you know, on quality and on a bit of form and everything else they 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 look the uh the side I would most fear but I think yeah city have to look at this you know I think um and think they have a a fantastic opportunity um you know and you know we mentioned about aguero but I mean if de bruyne is um on song and in form then there doesn't seem to be a you know there's barely a better player out there you know um Lionel messi and, and uh alfonso davis and you know, Lewandowski, we're just about to come on to, will have something to say about that. But De Bruyne is is capable of lifting this team to to the the ultimate prize. Well, let's mention Bayern Munich then, as you've both suggested it. Chelsea will have to go again next season after they were comfortably beaten 4-1 by Bayern in Germany to be dumped out of the competition 7-1 on aggregate. Two more goals for Robert Lewandowski. Takes his tally in the Champions League this season to 13 goals in seven appearances. Having scored one and assisted the other two goals in the first leg, he was directly involved in all seven of Bayern goals over the two legs. Three goals, four assists. He's just four now behind Cristiano Ronaldo's record haul in one season of scoring 17 in the competition. That was for Real Madrid back in 2013-14. So, Gregor, could he be peaking at just the right time to win the competition for Bayern? You've mentioned that they're just as in a sort of healthier state as Manchester City are. Yeah, I mean the thing is, he's he's kind of I think he scored forty plus goals in in f- the last five years, so he's always been in good shape. But he does seem to be hitting new heights at the moment. And you know, for a guy who's I think he's turned thirty two quite recently, he seems to be improving. Um, seems to be fitter and stronger than ever, and you know, capable of scoring a variety of goals. The the header, the third goal uh, against Chelsea was 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 superb, and he. I think he is. I think he is someone who is capable. As as you know, as Matt said, De Bruyne is is the kind of talisman for Man City. He is capable of 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 winning games almost single handedly for 
for uh, Bayern Munich. Um, but that, the thing is, if you look at you know you look at Barcelona and they have all these teams that are left in the competition, they have an outstanding talent who who can do that. But I think Lewandowski is, you know, I think the the, the very fact that he's he's competing with Ronaldo now and and Messi. I think if he wasn't born in the same generation of these two players, he would be talked about as you know a real kind of one of the uh, the best player in the world. Really, he's certainly the best number nine in the world at the moment. Does he not get the credit he deserves then, Matt, do you think? I think sometimes in England we've been a bit sly. I, I went uh, lucky enough to um, sit down with him at the Bayern Munich training ground um, earlier this uh, this season. Um, and he was fascinating um, company. He, you know, he talked really well just about how much he has worked on... Well, partly his body. He's got a, a, a wife who's um, a sort of sports scientist, nutritionist, and, and you know he's, he's nicknamed the body over there, and, and you know how that's been, you know the discipline that goes into that, but also the mentality. You know, he talked about how he's actually done brain training um, to 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 look at his reflexes and and his sort of coolness under pressure. You know, he was talking about this this thing that strike you know the best strikers have, where you know they do not get that rush of blood. They just keep their cool, pick their spot, you know, do do what it takes. And he was he was really um say interesting about, you know, all the things that have to come together to be as as consistent um as as he has been, you know, and, and yeah, I I think it Gregor's right. I think, you know, he's he is um, you know, proven a, a you know, a real world class talent. We very easily sort of talk about Harry Kane as if or have done at times as if he's, you know, there there can't be a better number nine out there. Well, you know, Lewandowski's been doing it as well, if not better, um certainly for longer. Um so no, I think you know, if he doesn't get um the credit he deserves, he it, it's it's high time he, he, he should. Hmm. So why do you think that is Gregor? Why does why does he get overlooked so much? As that number nine as you pointed out. I think he, I think we have a kind of tendency in this country to just look at anything beyond the Premier League. We think, oh, he need to come to the Premier League and, and prove mm. it, prove himself here. As if, I mean, that's not true. He's playing for one of the biggest teams in the world, and you know, I, although Bayern dominate the the Bundesliga every season, it's still a com- very hugely competitive league, and they're they're in the kind of mix of, among the real heavyweights every year in the Champions League. Um, and as I said, he's he scored. 40, 40 plus goals in five consecutive seasons. There only is really a Ronaldo and Messi who, who better that. Um, so I, you know, I think probably it's only here that there's that there's any kind of question mark. And I think really, if people are, are genuine sort of uh, lovers of football and and watch it with, with great interest, particularly in the Champions League, then I don't think there could be any doubt that he's he's, he's the best number nine in the world. He's the most complete, the mo- the best all rounder, as you see by all the types of goals he can score. For, you know, world class goals from outside the box. His his timing his, of his runs is 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 perfect. He's he's an absolute athlete, as Matt said. Um, you know, he he's got the same kind of dedication as a Ronaldo, and um, so powerful in the air as well. So he's he's a complete number nine. Matt, from the time that you did meet him, that you mentioned already, is he someone that looks to break records? Obviously, we we, we said he's just four behind Ronaldo's record haul. Uh, of goals in a Champions League season is he, is that something he would want to break can we see him doing that I think so yeah it was interesting again how he talked about how there was a sort of shift in mentality and he he actually credited Jurgen Klopp with it he um he said that when when he was working with um Klopp at Dortmund he you know he was a, a striker a goal scorer but he said he probably didn't quite have the the single mindedness and then Klopp 
I mean, you know, this this sounds um, sort of rudimentary uh, motivation and training, but he he basically said, Klopp said to him, look, you know, fifty euros um, for every goal you score in this uh, this practice game, and then I think basically after about two weeks of that, Klopp said, okay, right, enough's enough. Um, he was losing too much money, but he he talked about how Klopp just used little tricks like that to get him thinking, you know, that sort of sort of cliche we use about, you know, strikers have got to be selfish. And he, but he said he had to learn a bit of that. You know, he was a sort of decent all-round forward, but it, it, it took a shift in, in mentality under Klopp to, to really make him that ruthless and, and, and in that mode to, yeah, to, you know, he wants to win the big prizes. He's, I think he's regarded as, you know, a, a good team player, a good team man. But even then he said he actually had to learn that. You know, he said he used to be maybe a bit more sort of, you know, aloof or kept himself to himself and he's become much more integral to to the team so but no I, I i think it will matter to him i think you know these guys ultimately they want to win the big team prizes but yeah individual individual records will will matter as they you know and as they should i mean it's a it's not a small thing to have is it no absolutely not so it's all looking good for bayern munich but it was a disappointing finish for frank lampard and chelsea who have problems in defense ahead of the new campaign having conceded 79 goals in 55 games in all competitions this season now lampard's been widely praised for the job he's done this season in his first role at Stamford Bridge, finishing in the top four, of course, and reaching the FA Cup final. But over the weekend, Chelsea fans have been quick to point out the following, that he took Chelsea from third place to fourth, got six points fewer than Maurizio Sarri, conceded as many league goals as Brighton, lost the FA Cup final to an eighth-placed Arsenal, and have now lost 7-1 on aggregate to Bayern Munich. It seems the critics are now out, Gregor, are they right to be so critical? I think it's been pretty fascinating, actually, the how kind of long running this and the <laughs> peaks and troughs in the in the Frank Lampard story of this season. It's you know they've gone on a a good run at several points of the season, and it's, and you think, oh, what a job he's doing, and then and then they they lose to a Newcastle or someone, and 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 you know as you say, the knives come out, and there's also this whole sort of underlying thing about whether he's had an easy ride and the fact that getting the job in the first place after one season at Derby and the fact that he's kind of matey with a lot of people in the media and he, a lot of people think he gets an easy ride in that regard. But I think dispelling all that and the whole thing about the transfer ban and he had to had to introduce kids, although it feels, seems like he would have done that anyway, um, I still think it's been a successful season in that he's made the Champions League. That's important from a financial standpoint. He took them to the cup final, and it was a disappointing way to end. And there are there are question marks about about the Chelsea style of play. They've been thrilling to watch at times, um, but the, you know that that number of goals is just is is hugely alarming. Um, and part of that is down to personnel, but part of it is down to the way that sometimes you could drive a double decker bus through their midfield. Um, so there's, you know, I think to, I think next season is the season you have to judge him on because he's going to get he's going to get back this summer. He's already they're already signed several players, and you know it seems like they're going to, it's going to be a lot of investment in the team uh, this summer. So I think next season you have to judge Frank Lampard. Um, you know, I think a little bit more sternly. I think it's um, for his first season in the Premier League at a club where you know quite a lot of pressure on him, despite. That context that his club he's, you know, associated been associated with for many years, I still think it's been a success for him. How do you assess that first season in charge, then, Matt? 
Yeah, I, I think I think you've got to put it in the context of where he's at in his his career. You know, first first season, you know, dropped dropped in a big job. You lose Eden Hazard. Um, you, you know, clearly you're out, outstanding player. Um, and I think you know, you, in that context, he's showing promise. Um, he's also making mistakes, and that's pretty inevitable when you're talking about a guy who's had a couple of seasons in the job. Um, so you know. Right, we've seen issues of balance, say the balance between, uh, you know, defence and attack. We've seen issues of, of yeah, keeping a, um, yeah, midfield cover of that defence. You know, um, he's tried different formations, m- mixed it around, and I think, but I, I think you have to see the mistakes, but also see the momentum. I think there are, you know, I see improvement. You, I always look at how are individual players coming on under a manager? You look at someone like Christian Pulisic, who's really stepping up more and more, looking like, you know, one of the most exciting players in the league. You know, Lampard gave him a, was, you know, made him sit and wait early on in the season to to, to readjust, to, to sort of show him what he wanted in training. And now he's really coming through. I think there's, you know, improvements in other players. So I, I, I think... You know, the cup is is certainly more half full than half empty. I think, Um, uh, you know, I think for a young manager, he's learning on the job. And, you know, I think he's a bright enough guy to to learn and there are going to be more mistakes. But I suspect, um, you know, I suspect he'll uh, he'll need this season again to to do it with Ziyech and Timo Werner um, and potentially other signings as well. Gregor, you mentioned that long association that Frank Lampard has had with Chelsea. Is there any suggestion that perhaps he's getting an easier ride because of the history that he has at the club? Like if this was Jose Mourinho in charge, would he be getting the plaudits, let's say? Well, if it was, we only have to go go back a year to Maurizio Sarri. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he he finished with more points, as he said. They won the the Europa League. and he was, <laughs> they were almost hounding him out, the supporters. And there, again, there's issues of there stylistic issues in the way that he played. Um, but I think, you know, if you were to if you were to say that Frank Lampard had had that season that Sarri had last season and played the same football, undoubtedly he would have had an easier ride. But that, you know, he can't do anything about that. And, and you know, there's a balance in this. It is, a lot of people say, you know, he's, he has had a very kind of cushy uh, <laughs> start to his career in management. Um, which is true, but he—that's—that's that's the that's he is Frank Lampard. He had a big association to the club. The opportunity presented himself. It's up to him to now take it. And I think you know there's enough evidence that I, I, I Matt kind of alluded to it there. You see that players, the players are are engaged. They want that looks like they want to play for him. I know that a lot of them were. You can point to the guys who were brought in like Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, and you know. He knew some of these guys, um, along with Jody Morris from the academy. But even, you know, throughout the team, I think it looks like the players want to play for him. And despite the, some of the kind of tactical issues, um, we're also comparing him to, to two of the best managers, in the, the two best managers in the world, really, above him, in uh, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. And he's not going to be at their level. Uh, so, as I say, I think next season is the season to judge... Frank Lampard a little bit more uh, harshly. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The transfer window, of course, is in full swing. So why don't we take a look at some of the latest rumours? Let's focus on William, shall we? The Brazilian winger has written an open letter to Chelsea fans insisting, I leave with my head held high, safe in the knowledge that I won things here and always did my best in a Chelsea shirt. As the 32-year-old confirms his departure then from the club after seven years ahead of his impending move to Arsenal. Matt, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of late where players over a certain age we seem to sort of write off. Certainly, clubs seem to. Uh, are Chelsea too quick to to write someone like William off, who's over thirty? Well, a lot of it obviously can always come down to <laughs> to value as well of you know resigning and and they're you know they're thinking they're partly thinking in football terms and um, par- partly thinking in business terms as 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 well. I mean, I think you know. And a lot of clubs have shown in the last five years or so that they, you know, they like to offer, um, yeah, those short-term short-term contracts to to players over thirty. Chelsea wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be the only one doing that. But I think, you know, when you look at the signings that Chelsea are making, um, yeah, I think William has, you know, I think he's entitled to to make make those claims for Chelsea. He's been excellent for them. You know, hugely versatile. You know, done. Uh, an awful, awful lot of of good work for them, but I think you know when you look at say different players coming in, you look at the strength they've got in those sort of wide forward roles. Um, with 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 Ziyech arriving, obviously you know Timo Werner can play wide forward. You got you know Hudson Odoi, etc. etc. Pulisic is etc. Mason Mount's been you know used in midfield and as a sort of wide forward. You know. It's it's uh, there's there's going to be some, shall we say, rotation um, and and wasted. But I think uh, I think you know William can leave with his head held high, as he says. So for you, Gregor, if he does move to Arsenal, is it going to be a hit or a miss? I think it'd be a hit. I mean, there's been periods of the season, actually, particularly after the restart, where he's there was there was a period of, uh, where he was Chelsea's best player, and he's still capable of winning a game for the, for the team. So. You know, I think there are questions. If if he is to get a three-year deal, as been reported, then you know that's there are there'd be question marks around that. But um, for a player who still really still looks to be in his prime, really um, on a free transfer, 
it's it's a no brainer for Arsenal. Um and I think he's I think he improves his improvement. What they've got I mean Arsenal's front three is Pepe still kind of got a lot to do to, to sort of prove himself at Arsenal. Um Aubameyang, Lacazette, still uncertainty about, you know, their futures at the club. And behind that there's you know, you're looking at young players who've come through the academy. So to to add someone of experience and his quality on a free transfer, um, absolutely good business for Arsenal. But you seem to question a three year deal, Gregor. Why is that? Well I think you know I think when players get over thirty, it it's hard to it's hard to judge because you don't I don't know Willie and I don't know his kind of um his character, shall we say. Uh you know, when you get it's even it's the same with, with, with Obama Young. When he's when he's when you're the wrong side of thirty and you know, you're slightly potentially more prone to injury, um motivation can dip at certain you know, at certain points in career in your career and uh you know, it's always a possibility. Uh so I think you always question it when when a player if it takes them up to thirty five. But as I say, when there's no transfer fee involved, I think it is, you know, still on balance, good business. The Southampton midfielder Pierre Emil Hoiberg is undergoing a medical at Tottenham. The clubs agreed a deal last week with a twenty five year old Denmark international choosing Spurs ahead of Everton. And meanwhile, Carl Walker-Peters is set to be going the other way after a loan spell at St. Mary's last season. Now, the fees are undisclosed, but it's been reported that Spurs will pay Southampton at least £3 million more for Hoiberg. Where do you stand on Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, Matt? Would that be a good signing for Tottenham? I think, I mean, I think he's, a, you know, he's a good player, decent, decent signing, but I'm yeah, more intrigued about... I guess is going to lose out um, because you know you sort of um, you're thinking obviously he's he's been signed to to, to to come straight in. Does this mean that Winks is is now you know going to be the one who, uh, who who drops away? Which I think is you know I guess you can't help but think partly the, as an English supporter um, that 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 would be a shame. And what's what this says for for his future? Um, because you know, I think uh, I think he's he's he has not kicked on quite as I thought he might do at the start of the season. But I think yeah, I think there's there's real promise there. So that yeah, that's that's the bit that you know you look at Spurs and there's there's quite a lot of options in in that central midfield role. Um, so I am intrigued to see yeah wh- who 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 he nudges out. Mm. Where, where would you stand on this one, Gregor? In terms of is it a signing Tottenham fans will be excited by, or will they be a little bit underwhelmed? I wouldn't say excited to be the right word. No, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think he's a kind of he's a Jose Mourinho signing. He's he's a, he's a bit of a street fighter. He'll sit in front of the back four and and uh, you know he's very combative and you know committed. Um, but he's not—he's not someone who's going to get the fans kind of cooking in their step to the to the stadium if if they're allowed back next season. Um, so no, it's not going to be—he's not like a, a marquee signing for Spurs. But I think he's been effective for Southampton for for a few years now in the Premier League, and you know there's a few teams who are interested in him, and I think he's he's a good player for he's a good player for where Spurs are at the moment. David Brooks is another name being talked about as of late. Liverpool, Everton, Tottenham, West Ham, all reportedly interested in signing the Wales midfielder following Bournemouth's relegation to the Championship. Gregor, David Brooks should be in the Premier League? Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
you know, if he hadn't suffered suffered a long term injury, um, I think Bournemouth would have been possibly under pressure to sell him uh, before now. I think he's he was he's a hugely talented player. I think when you look at those teams you mentioned, though, like Liverpool, he wants to go and play football now, particularly after a long layoff. So I think Liverpool would be would be a stretch. Mm. Um, Everton or Tottenham, yeah, I, I think that's the kind of level he's he's capable of playing at. Absolutely, I think West Ham. Um, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still not. Producer Max won't be happy with me saying this, but I'm still not convinced that West Ham are going to be kind of on an upward trajectory next season. I still think. It's, how, how much uh, support and backing uh, Moyes will get is is up for debate, and and there's been quite a lot of talented players have gone to West Ham over over recent seasons and not really produced the best football. So I I also think someone like she- going back to Sheffield United would be great for him. I think um, he'd be guaranteed to play. They're a you know upwardly mobile team and um, the kind of player that she- that would really improve Sheffield United. Actually, they had to sell him to kind of to to help rebuild their, their team and uh, to get promoted. And, um, I, you know, possibly he's going to be out of their reach, but I think that'd be a good fit as well. I cannot believe what you said about West Ham. <laughs> Producer Max will be livid with you. You probably have that whole bit edited out just because of that. <laughs> okay, <fair enough. laughs> and, and lastly, of course, we have to talk about one of the, the stars for Sheffield United, as you've already mentioned, Dean Henderson. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer admits he can't keep three top-class goalkeepers happy at Manchester United, paving the way for Dean Henderson to spend another season out on loan. Uh, his future could be linked to that of Sergio Romero, with the backup keeper believed to have been particularly frustrated by his omission from the FA Cup semi-final last month. But if we focus on, on Dean Henderson, would it be right for him to go back to Sheffield United, Matt, for another season, would you say? Well, he needs to, if, he's gonna, if that's the only place he's, or best place he's going to play, um, it, it may have to be. I mean, I think, you know, the, the bigger issue, obviously the first big issue is it's David De Gea. Um, you know, we've obviously spent plenty of time talking about his um, wobbles, to say to, to, to put it mildly. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, the, the, the issue there, you've got, you know, on a big, fat, long-term contract. Um, and, and since he signed it, um, plenty of reasons to 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 repent on that and and wonder if it was a mistake. So, but I think you know Hessen is at a stage in his career. He just yeah he needs to play. So he shouldn't he certainly shouldn't be going back to United just to be uh, twiddling his thumbs and waiting for a for a cup match. That's for sure. I suppose, Greg, well, that that is the problem, isn't it? Because as Matt's pointed out, the David de Gea situation is is still to be resolved of whether or not they're going to keep him or whether they'll they'll sell him. Let's say and and. As Matt's pointed out, Dean Henderson won't want to stay on the bench when he's had such a great season playing week in, week out for, for Sheffield United. Yeah, I think he's he's a confident lad, and I'm sure I think he would be wanting to look to have a, a very honest conversation with, with Solskjaer to see about you know, what is what is my future if the time comes to to say to, to say David De Gea, like we can't we can't really uh Go on any further with with these errors and with the kind of dip in form. Um, am I the man who's going to be who's going to play? Are you going to look to buy another goalkeeper? Um, the things you know, Solskjaer is going to have to keep one of those players, one one of those goalkeepers, one a quality backup because De Gea's form is so uh, un- like unsteady and uncertain. But as but Matt's right, he has to play. Um, you just wonder how long he goes on doing this. I think if he does go back to Sheffield United. Um, you would hope this may be his last 
his last loan spell because you know after that you want to go out and and sort of you know I don't it's very rare it's what what happened with Martinez at Arsenal you know I've been been at the club for so long and you know playing a few cup competition games um going so many loans and coming back and now sort of stating a claim and having a run in the team that's very rare it doesn't happen very often so I think you know Dean Henderson's got big big kind of lofty aspirations he wants to be England's number one and it's not unrealistic so I think he needs to he needs to kind of find a home certainly in the next in the next year or so we finished today's pod by talking about Sol Campbell. Matt Lawton has done a brilliant interview with him for The Times about his eagerness to get back into management so people can see him at his best. Now, he's a name in football that needs little introduction, of course, with a playing career to match most elite stars. He was among England's finest defenders, a former centre-half named in the team of the tournament at both the 2002 World Cup and the 2004 European Championship. He was also a key member of Arsenal's Invincibles and the captain of a Portsmouth side that exceeded all expectations by lifting the FA Cup in 2008. Now he's trying to make his name in management, having been on the same UEFA Pro Licence course as Patrick Vieira, Craig Bellamy and Gary Monk. Um, Matt, when you think back to Sol Campbell as a player, did you think he'd be someone that would go into management? I don't think, um, to be honest, I don't think I knew in the sense of, uh, I think this is part of the whole discussion we're going to have, that that Sol was um, sometimes seemed a tricky guy to read and that seems to be sort of wrapped up in a, a lot of the judgments that are sort of raining down on him now. I mean, just one thing I would sort of preface all this with is, uh, you know, A, I thought it was a really interesting interview. B, I, having retweeted it over the weekend, um, I sort of attached it with a and seen the reaction. I sent another tweet just saying, look, I've, I don't know if Sol Campbell is going to be a good manager or not. But when you see some of the reaction, you see what he's up against. Um, and it was frightening. Um, and, you know, I think the amount of say judges that reigned in him um is is shocking actually to 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 behold and because partly because um he sort of uh doesn't fit sort of neat boxes that people want him to you know i i sat down with him um this isn't really answering the question but i'll i'll, I'll, I'll go on anyway but i sat you know i sat yeah, I've sat down with him a few times, but I sat down with him at length. Um, I think it was probably sort of three, four or five years ago. He just brought out his uh, autobiography, and he, he he talked through. You know, he's he's so used to being told that he has a chip on his shoulder. Basically, that's to put it bluntly. And he, when you sort of listen to his background as being one of the youngest of twelve, and and what he came up through, um, as you know basically fending for himself on a estate and having a hell of a tough time of it, you sort of get to sort of see his character in the round a bit more and understand why he feels he has to fight for everything, why he gets angry about certain things, including his his perception of clear prejudice against him. And you understand, yeah, that, yeah, he's, he is, he is a bit different, but there are some very good reasons for that, and there are very good reasons why he gets, yeah, gets angry and thinks that he is um, not being given a fair chance. Well, it has been a turbulent ride for Campbell in management, having often hit the headlines for the wrong reasons. It took him six years to land his first coaching role with Trinidad and Tobago and was also turned down in favour of Gary Neville to work under Roy Hodgson for England at Euro 2016. 
But when top jobs and even a brief foray into politics to look at running for London mayor uh, didn't really come his way, he found opportunities only lower down the pyramid, first with Macclesfield and then South End. Now, Macclesfield wasn't an attractive job, a newly promoted League Two club sitting five points adrift of safety and in such dire financial straits that they were unable to pay the players, never mind their manager. By the time he left the following summer again, by mutual agreement, the club were facing a winding up order from HM Revenue and Customs and owed him money as well. Gregor, it's sort of a, a sorry tale when you look at Sol Campbell's management career how many players of his sort of calibre, and we've listed already uh, what he's achieved in the game, have had to go as far down as he has had to to get a job? Um, not many. And, you know, Paul Lintz is another one, another one that really jumps to mind immediately. And that was with Macclesfield too. And, of course, he's black as well. So that doesn't, doesn't mm. um, paint a good picture. Um, I think it wasn't a mistake for him going down there because I think actually it was if there were doubters and there were many of them um, it kind of made people sit up and think fair plays you know he's willing to take on an enormous challenge and he succeeded and that was a, that was an enormous challenge um, uh, Macclesfield were an absolute basket case when he when he took over in fact they were all the way through his time at the club too he had to deal with, with so much and I was at the game when they stayed up in the, the final day of the season uh, Notts County went down instead, and you know everyone's celebrating on the pitch, and that was it was a remarkable achievement. And he just said afterwards, you know, I, I just want to have kind of a chance next year. I didn't mean that elsewhere. He meant I want a chance to compete with Macclesfield now, and that I want the players to be paid on time. I want uh, a budget that's actually you know you're given a budget at the start of the season, and this is what you're allowed to spend, and this is you know you're allowed to bring in so many players. You just want essentially wanted a chance and he's still looking for that because mm-hmm. that never that never appeared the next season the next season he was gone a few games into the season because you know players still weren't paid and it was still a mess and south end really weren't in any better in any better state so he's still not had that chance that he he wanted at this you know he's wanted for so long he wanted after macclesfield and he still wants it now as he told matt in that um excellent interview so uh, I, I really, I, it's it's very, it's so many, so much nuance to this. I think because he is sort of idiosyncratic. There's no two ways about that. And I know, you know, I I knew one or two guys in the Macclesfield team, and there was things about them that even they rubbed them up the wrong way a little bit. Um, and that's not getting away from the fact that he he galvanised them, got them playing much better football, and winning more points. Um, he is, he is someone who is he's, he's slightly different, as Matt said, and and but that shouldn't be that shouldn't stop him from from getting a job as, as a manager. I don't think. Well, from Macclesfield, obviously, he went to Southend, which wasn't much more stable before taking charge of his first game. He watched them lose seven-one to Doncaster. His first result was then a three-one defeat at home by Ipswich Town. And when the season was called to a sudden halt because of the pandemic, they were second from bottom and relegated and he chose to move on. Raheem Sterling noted the opportunities afforded Campbell and Ashley Cole compared to Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard, while Lampard is now the manager at Stamford while Lampard is now the manager at Chelsea after a decent season at Derby, Cole is coaching Chelsea's under fifteen side, while Gerrard has landed his first job with Rangers. 
Campbell has had to work unpaid amid the financial madness of Macclesfield Town before a similarly challenging spell with Southend United. Um, Matt, do you, do you see any way back for him in the management world? Um, so, well, I, I think if he, you know if if he wants to um, to, to to then yeah, I, I do. But I, you know, he would say yeah, and. But it, it will not not be the oppo- same opportunities that he thinks he would get if he was uh, a, a white member of the the golden generation. And you know, I th- I think there is a debate to be had around that. But I suspect the debate is more helpful when it's looked at in the wider context of you know we know the proportion of um, of black players throughout the league, and we see the much much lower proportion of. Um, black faces in the dugout and obviously still less anywhere near ownership or boardrooms and you know Sol Sol is articulating um, and you know there are people who react badly to it because it comes from him but I don't think with any fairness in them is going to you know dispute that there is a an important wider debate to be had just around you know representation why black coaches you speak to all the time or black players who come to the end of their careers, you know, they many of them believe that they will not get them opportunities. It's a perception, you know, they're, and they're entitled to that perception. They they think it's real. And, you know, as long as there is this, that belief, then football's got a problem. Um, you know, wider society has, but football that likes to think it does so much for anti-racism, you know, has still got a lot of work to do uh, around that sense of of fair opportunity. We talk about Rooney Rule and different ways of attacking it, but we're nowhere near fixing it. And and say Sol Campbell, the 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 way he says it, or coming from him, seems to uh, anger a, a lot of people. But if they sort of try and depersonalise it a bit, they'll see that there is an important debate to be had. Of course, Gregor, many do point to Campbell's management record, which perhaps isn't the best statistically. And obviously we've spoken about the financial woes of Macclesfield and of South End. So in a way, does he not need to be judged if given the opportunity at a club that perhaps is more stable than the two that he's already had a, a spell at? Well, yeah, this is, but this is the whole thing. He's not, he's not being afforded that opportunity. So it's, it's hard, you know, how, how... <laughs> We can't judge him fairly at the moment uh, because. But yet he's still being judged. That's absolutely, the problem. absolutely. Mm. So, look, I think I think it's 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 a quite a complex uh, situation with with Saul Campbell because he, you know, there, there 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 have been some 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 of his kind of his utterances have made you think like uh, you're not maybe helping in terms. He said. And one of the greatest minds in football, I think that was one thing he said when he was unveiled at Macclesfield, and you know that that was probably not helpful. But that, that but Sol Campbell is very confident, and he's got every right to be because he had a as he he was right when he said he was one of the best footballers of his generation. That's absolutely true, and a lot of the best footballers of their generation get far better opportunities than he has. So um, I think he will get another opportunity, and I think it will be, you know, I think a a club. And it probably won't be, it probably won't be again still at a, at the, at a level like the, the championship of the Premier League. I'd be surprised personally if that's if that comes around ne- next time around. But a team maybe in, in League One that has more solid foundations and gives them an opportunity to, to sort of to work hard and and impress and 
to show what he's capable of. Um, and I really hope he, he gets that chance because he, he, he deserves that chance as much as anyone. Absolutely. And that's what it all comes down to, isn't it? being given that opportunity to, to perhaps showcase his talent. That he's not been able to do because he's been at two clubs that have struggled. Do you ever believe, Matt, that former clubs should owe their former players something like, like Arsenal? Should they be getting involved in this situation? Um, well, I think, you know, I think that you know, they, they have a history um, of yeah, looking, looking sort of, you know, more kindly at former players. Um, you know, clubs like the connection, fans like the connection. Um, I don't think there's a duty, you know, I think it's got to be, you know, mutually ben- beneficial. It's got to, there's got to be a point. It can't just be um, because you're a, a famous face or, or a popular player. Um, but no, I mean, I think, you know, again, I'm sure Sol would come up with, you know, other ways in which he thinks former clubs have, yeah, probably not given him um, a sort of fair nod either, where they, they may have looked at other faces. I, I, you know, I don't mean it's instantly, well, because you were great for Arsenal, you should get a coaching role there. But um, yeah. equally, equally, some former some former players have. Um, no, but, I, you know, I think, so I think the key thing really is that people just sort of, uh, you know, sometimes I think, you know, Sol's, the interview with Sol was was with Sol and, you know, he says his stuff and and it's it's seen as provocative, but I think people ultimately have to see the bigger context here and that's which is the most important thing. Well, that is it for now. Many thanks to Gregor and to Matt. Remember to subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times for award-winning journalism on every platform. It's just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. And we will be back with you on Thursday. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.